0: mike how you been i've been good i've been good how are you mark
1: i've been pretty great under the full moon we had uh the tent set up in the backyard so my girlfriend and i were able to sleep under the uh, the past two nights of the full moon it was interesting very uh interesting circumstances came up on the full moon but i'm curious to know how your week's been
0: well, well, hold on. Before we get to V, let me hear what are these curious. What are these curious circumstances? All right. So you know,
1: full moon and new moon, right? When when you're when you're setting intentions and, and getting to know the moon cycle, what you learn is that the new moon is bringing things in, and the full moon is letting things go. Would would you say that's kind of what you've heard or what you've you've learned or experienced?
0: uh yeah i I would say they're the markers of the change, the markers of the change of the direction, like the new moon is the bottom, and I see the full moon on the top, and so once you you hit the full moon, well then you know the the amount of the moon, which is visible begins to reduce, so you can see the energy is starting to reduce, you're letting go, and then from the new moon, you're working up, it's going from total darkness to like building into like the, the full disk is visible. So in the most literal sense, we see that there's an expansion. So that's why, you know, we would time our intention or anything new or anything which is beginning to grow uh, with, that, with that point in the cycle. But yeah, 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 that makes sense. So in a
1: sort of, uh, in a sort of odd way, I mean, yeah, all of that to me, is kind of intuitive i've just i i've always recognized okay this is a special time but it wasn't until recently that you know the full moon and the new moon started to become events in my month right where you know things would be done on the night that you wouldn't have just done on any ordinary night so
0: my girlfriend and right. I. I but, go- well, you you you're bringing consciousness, awareness. You know, that's what consciousness is. You're aware of something which is always there. Like, I mean, you said intuitively, you kind of always like kind of sense like the meaning or or something like that. But you know, there's never been a moment that you've been in this body that you know the moon hasn't been going through cycles. Like you've been bathed with that in the subconscious your entire life. You know, that's just like part of being uh, living life on Earth, and so. Uh, what you just described in terms of like becoming aware of the cycle, you're just becoming aware of what's always around you. And what's what what I find so 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 interesting and so powerful about recognizing these these things that are happening all around us all the time, which we probably ignore, is um, when you become when you become aware of it, you can begin to coordinate your own internal uh, cycles with that, which we're experiencing life within. So, so definitely, I mean, I think we all got to go through that process unless we have been raised in an environment where that is what was taught.
1: Right. So in this sort of, uh, you know, haphazard slapdash kind of way I've been, you know, following these cycles and, and my girlfriend, she's definitely more, prepared you know she takes time to do her meditations or rituals whereas I'm kind of like oh full moon's out let me run and grab my crystals let me run and do this real quick you know so I'm always like I feel like I'm a little scatterbrained when it comes to these types of uh, occasions and this particular evening was no different and I was getting kind of a lot of uh, computer work done that I'd been procrastinating. I thought, okay, this might be a productive energy sort of practice. You know, this is something I want to keep doing, accomplishing my goals and the full moon. I want to feel that stress, you know, that stress of like getting that, you know, work stress and transmuting it into productivity and efficiency, right? So long story, uh, I'm going to try to wrap it down a little bit. A longtime friend of mine, okay, really longtime friend. He's somebody who I would say, you know, isn't really up to speed on a lot of the things that we talk about, but he has some sort of awareness of, of like the spiritual and not necessarily from like a traditional perspective, but he's not the type of guy that would go and listen to a podcast or even like watch a YouTube video. You know, he's very much just like blue pill if we want to use that term, but aware he's that
0: pill or that term. Excuse <laughs> me. How long do you know what you said? Like a long time friend. Like, so like when in your life were you, Did you? how long have you known him
1: since uh summer camp when I was in middle school was when we met. Okay. okay. So, so were you guys close? So yeah. And, and he's, you know, a neighborhood friend too. Cause he, he lives close by. So we're, we're, Very close friends, but in a sort of um, contested kind of way, like we've always had our clashes, right? Even though we've stayed close in proximity and in friendship, we've had a lot of clashes over our maybe 10 or 12 years of knowing each other now. And you know one so, thing
0: let, let, let me just interrupt for a second <laughs> like, so stuff out which comes to my head so like like in my mind i would classify that type of relationship or dynamic which you which which you have with him is more of like in the literal sense like a, a sibling brother because that's one of the things which is so interesting about those who we have as siblings is like you know you get to pick your friends but you don't pick your family and so a lot of times we you know there can be contention with like you know a brother or sister or so forth but they will be with you to some degree or another throughout your life Mm. but when you have a friend uh, someone who who is in your life and you recognize like there's that kind of like there's a contention which can often happen between siblings sibling rivalry and so forth it's like that's a different type of friendship because you have that, um, you have the capability of choosing your friends, yet uh, even though with this contention, you guys are still like drawn to each other. You're still connected. And I would say like that's an indication of a really deep connection. Like whether you want to say that's like, you know, past lies or, or, or what have you, I don't know. But like that is that is that is rare or that is you know, less common. Like when you recognize that. And so I just say that, to like kind of put into context in terms of like, you know, maybe the depth of what this friend is for both you, you to him and him to you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, as someone who is uh, the oldest of, uh, you know, two kids, my sister and I, I, I've never had a familial brother, you know, cousins. I've had a lot of cousins, but they live very far away. So yeah. In a lot of ways, he's like a younger brother to me
0: and I, and I, all right, all right. I took you off, off track. No, it's okay.
1: So so he comes by uh, on the full moon, and it was sort of like planned in a sense because I, I want to give the these silo uh, vitamins that I got from a friend, uh, Megan Kush. Uh, it's like a micro-dosing sort of uh, mm-hmm. version of mushrooms to, to him because I'm like, you know, this guy – He's been calling me a lot lately. He's been, you know, going around in circles and it just feels like maybe this is the right thing to offer him. So he's super excited. He's like, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. How much, you know, so bring some
0: experienced, uh, uh, mushroom taker.
1: Yeah. He, he's definitely done, you know, things before, you know, I don't want to go into his history, but he's not, he's never done anything that I wouldn't do. I'd imagine. And And I've never done anything in the chemical department. It's strictly natural stuff. Um, And I just, I bring this up because I wonder, you know, with the the show being, you know, your handbook for the apocalypse and like, you know, what these substances can do to awaken people. I'm like, maybe that wasn't the right choice, you know, to make that so freely available to someone, uh, especially like a guy who kind of goes around in circles a lot. I'm like, hmm. You know, I I kind of regretted it in the moment. And then sure enough, he calls me the next morning and says, I took three of them. They didn't work, you know, complain, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, you know, I tried to do a good thing. I tried to help out my friend. But it seemed like, you know, something about that, whether it was a full moon energy, whether it was, you know, the microdosing capsules themselves i mean i don't want to ask you about that but you know what are your thoughts on on that as a component of like this new world we're in and and even like people who seem to have it doesn't have that same effect that it might have had on someone like me or or yourself or you know the the awakening like it doesn't hit with everybody
0: Right, right. Well, well. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in what you just described. So, uh, uh, you know, my thought, you know, my per- perspective in, in what that story you just told. Uh, yeah. First off, is um, you know, you didn't go too much into it, but just like you know, your intention and or motivation in terms of of offering him these these vitamins, and so it's it's. Uh, The first thing which which kind of jumped out in my mind was like the second guessing of it, like you know, like oh god, did I do the right? Did I do the wrong thing? Did I make a mistake? And 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 you know, just recognizing like that as a behavior. Like sometimes we do like make decisions which we're like, wow, I wish I didn't. I wish I would have chosen differently. But then a lot of times, um, a lot of times, like you know, our our. our first instinct our intuitive sense you know what we're driven to is like you know that's what we want to learn to to trust more and when when we don't trust it um or when we second guess it it is you know it's just that it's it's a second guessing of that level of consciousness and the reason why you're probably second guessing that's why we all second guess things is we hold in our mind like an expectation as to the outcome so like, you know, maybe you were thinking like, Oh, maybe this won't like work out the way I thought it would, or give him the thing he's looking for, so forth. Mm. Um, but the truth of the matter is that's that's out of your hands. Like that, you know, that that, you know, you're either gonna be you're either gonna learn to trust your instincts or you're gonna learn not to trust your instincts. And I think that's like kind of like the 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 bigger thing as it relates to that specific scenario is like this was you seeing yourself like you know this isn't about like what i would have done differently or not so much but more so like observing like what has happened and then how you internally responded and so this doesn't this doesn't have anything to do with like changing the outcome as much as it is becoming more aware more conscious of oh this is how i work and then as just by becoming more aware and more conscious like you know the whatever change happens like that's just part of being human Mm. Um, but well, that being I'll, said, well, go on. Okay. I,
1: I just wanted to clarify on the point of intention. Cause I think this is really the real reason I brought it up. I had this feeling like, Oh, you know, here I am, this guy who knows all this stuff and my little brother friend, you know, cause that is the dynamic. He's younger than me. And it was almost like, you know, I'm the big brother in the situation. He's coming here on this, special full moon and you know I I felt like there was some gravity to what we were doing in a sense like you know I'm giving him this substance in a way that he could potentially use to alchemize his life right in a positive way so my instincts were telling me to be sort of ceremonial about it but then at the same time because there wasn't that understanding it felt like I was imposing or, or even to take it a step further being kind of phony like putting on a a character you know like oh i'm this great you know mystic that's gonna that's <laughs> gonna give you this you know thing so i felt that theme going on and i'm like hmm is this what i'm letting go of on my own personal level while i'm experiencing this full moon because i it's a it was a pisces full moon you know, duality is going on. We're in Virgo season. That's very much about working and, and getting down to, you know, the sort of earthiness of uh, of the harvest, you know, preparing all the final things that go into that. That's the kind of energy that maybe was a theme in my mind. But, yeah, there was that feeling of almost phoniness. Like, am I aggrandizing this whole process? And is that even worth it? Because, you know... What happened to put a you know pin in the balloon and pop it real quick? He he didn't. I it doesn't seem like he had that revelation that I was hoping he would have and and reach that point because you know maybe I'm underestimating what he's got going on in his life. Maybe that's not what you know that that's not the
0: magic pill that he needs. So so did he come over specifically to receive those vitamins? Like was that or was it just like kind of spontaneous? You're like hey man, I I think I got something you might like.
1: It was it was in a way it was not spontaneous because he's been calling me. And what's funny is, you know, at the beginning of this summer, you know, with my my girlfriend and I kind of transforming our lives for the better, we made the decision to let certain people go in a way, you know, and he's someone who I felt. I've already done that before in the past, like said, okay, this relationship's not benefiting me. I need to just put some space between us boundaries. And, and when I've done that, it's, it's been a huge benefit. I felt like, Oh, okay, wow. I have my, I could, you know, really be myself and not, you know, cause that, that tends to happen. You get into ruts with old friends, you know, you pick up your old habits again in a way. And I think, you know, he sees me evolving and, has reached out to me a lot over the past few months and I've had that boundary and I slowly like let him in closer and closer and I'm wondering like, Oh, was that also the wrong decision. Like letting this person, you know, and it relates to the story that maybe we can get into further. Cause it's like, are there people in our lives that are not going to wake up to this, apocalypse and are going to drain us in that way and key and anchor us in third dimensional reality when we want to, you know, in a really woo woo kind of way, I want to ascend the five D reality. I don't want to be anchored in third dimensional, the old world, but I, you know, if we keep the friendships with people who aren't going to take that leap with us, is that tethering us to? So that's kind of where I was at. It's like, Hey, here's a ticket to join me <laughs> And it feels like he 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 missed the boat, you know.
0: So so a couple things. I mean, though, I want to go back for clarification. Like, when he arrived, was it last night or two nights ago? Two nights ago, so he arrived. I'm
1: sorry, I didn't clarify. So yeah, he did.
0: He specifically know like come knowing pre uh, knowing before that he was going to receive those yes.
1: Yes. Okay. He, he had okay. been bothering me about it all week because.
0: So like, bothering about receiving it. It's like, Hey man, let me come by. I want to get that right, stuff like right. that sort because of stuff. he, okay. he
1: kind of okay. sniffed the fact out that I had received this as a gift from a past guest on my show. And, and, you know, like I've been just kind of giving him advice here and there, like what to do with his girlfriend, what to do with his job, like things like that, you know, like just, you know, he, he'll call me with like, some, some negative, negative energy, you know, some, some mm-hmm. negative vibes and I'll help him turn it around and he sees the bright side of things and feels better and moves on, you know, and, and it's exhausting because you can't do that for somebody more than a couple of times before they just have to start doing it for themselves, you know, otherwise they're going to take advantage of you energetically.
0: Well, I think you, you just, you just it when you're like, you know, you can't do that all the time. they got to take care of it themselves. So it sounds like particularly in terms of like your expectation on what you thought was going to happen is, you know, you don't have that responsibility. That's his responsibility, you know, but that being said, that being said, I mean, this is, this is what I'm hearing from that story. Um, uh, first is, is like the fact that you, even if it felt like, you know, quote unquote phony, you had something inside that recognized it. I want this to be a different experience than like like a party time. Like hey, let's just go get fucked up or anything like that. like right. the, the fact that you are recognizing it and then you're trying to create an environment, you know, the environment like you know, when you're handing it to them or what have you is um is like. You're, you're letting them know, like, this is, this is my intention. Like, my, uh, when I'm giving this to you is like, this is, this is, uh, um, this is not, this is not in the intention of just like having a good time to like go and feel different. It's something greater than that. And a lot of times when we try on costumes, people are trying on costumes all the time. I mean, I think that's a great part of being human. Uh, there's schools of thought that are like, oh, you want to go and, and devoid any sort of costume and just be like in the here and now and like no personality. I mean, that's just a choice in terms of a higher path. You know, another higher path is a consciousness in terms of, of the, of the costumes you wear and the lower path is identifying with the costume, thinking like, oh, this is who I am. I am this costume. So I always have to be that. But like at a higher path with the costume wearing is like, you're like, okay, I'm stepping into this role right now. I'm not this role, but in this instance, I can be this role. And so like that's what I'm, I'm kind of hearing you becoming, uh, um, You know, what I just described to you as a concept, when you put that into play, into your actual life, like, okay, I'm going to bring awareness into stepping into costumes, that can still feel foreign. That can still feel foreign. And when you're describing, like, I felt like a phony, I would say that's another way of saying it felt foreign because I'm not used to that could also be another way of saying like I'm describing growth. Like, you know, the very first time, the very first time like I don't care what religion you are, if you're a rabbi or a priest or what have you, the first time like you are the one who's in front of the pulpit, like that's gonna feel weird. Mm. And then like ten years later, like that that role becomes like more commonplace for you. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, there are all these ways of looking at it, but then, so it's like, one, you don't have to take on that responsibility. Two is like, you know, if this is a role, which seems to make sense to you, like even greater than outside of um, just this friend, but recognizing and you're building it, you're building this infrastructure in your life. You're building an infrastructure in your life where you're kind of like put in a position like the priest, if you will, and there's nothing like per se wrong with that. Like that's part of the archetypical human experience. Someone who is who willfully lives like a foot in in different worlds, and they can help people reach that other world. Like that's like you know you're always that that middle person. They they've done that. That's a universal thing, and you know we happen to live in a time where where it's becoming more. Um, more, uh, organic, which means like you're figuring out yourself as opposed to going to seminary school. So like, that's kind of like a path, which, you know, you are on. And as you become aware of it, you get to go and decide whether you want to continue down that path or how you want to do it. But, you know, you just want to be, you want to be easy with your yourself and as your life unfolds. So the last point I want to make is like what you actually gave him. Um, Microdose is, like, it's not meant to be, uh, um, like, a, a breakthrough moment. Um, you know, I'm a, I, I've am got, like, a, a, a range of complexities uh, of thoughts as it relates to, you know, all of these types of substances and how they're taken, you know. And what I mean by complexities, i like got a lot of different thoughts on it. But that's generally said um, – The microdose experience is different than like, you know, a full on high acute experience. And uh, it can be taken, I would say, in that that um, ceremonial and all the ceremonial does or ritualistic way is it tells your conscious mind, tells your unconscious mind that this is special and this is important and whatever the event is that you're doing it to and it kind of like deepens uh, the connection between the the conscious and the unconscious. But, um, you know, the, the microdose is like, like one, it's more of like a preparing of, of the soil, if you will, it's not meant to be, uh, this huge sort of breakthrough moment. And I, I don't know how much I agree with there even existing huge breakthrough moments. Um, that last at least, that last at least, but the microdose, it like kind of prepares for possibly if, if someone like follows through with a certain protocol, you know, don't take my, my, my advice in terms of what protocol it should be. But if one follows through with that, what they're doing is they're working at, um, at the at a foundational level of saying i want to begin to see reality i want to begin to perceive reality and change like on a fundamental level my consciousness
1: right
0: and i think that's a that's um probably a healthier way of going through like you know and an easier way of going through any sort of of consciousness change um what i'm hearing you describe is very much it sounds like kind of like a. um Uh, a brotherly type, a a big brotherly type of role. Um, We're all in unchartered territory right now. And so we're all kind of like figuring out as it goes. And so that also means we're all doing the best that we can. So uh, regardless of what your friend said, I think he also had the wrong expectation. If he was trying to, uh, you know, (laughs) if he's like, I didn't feel anything. Well, you know, it's not, that's not really what it's about. Um, but if if that is like you can feel things on a microdose level, but it's subtle, and well, so that also requires uh, an amount of, of of ability to go inside and notice subtle changes in like feelings, emotions, and thoughts. Well, I should
1: clarify his intention wasn't to microdose; it was to use well, what was intended to be microdosed in a macrodose fashion. So. Maybe that was also inherently the problem, you know.
0: Maybe maybe that that is the case, and maybe this is. Um, I mean, this is what I've experienced in in my my own personal life. Um, uh, not so much like. Well, actually, no. So I don't do I don't do uh, like mushrooms or or or, or psychedelics on a regular basis. That's not part of my my life or my practice. But you know I certainly um, have experiences, and um, every time an opportunity has kind of like presented itself, you know it's been, um, it's been it's been special. I guess like special meaning like different from like when that opportunity does mm-hmm. not present itself. And I subscribe, like I fully embrace this idea of like if you really see these as like plant medicines and so forth is, uh, you know, it'll call you when the time is right. I have seen that in my life time and time again for the, the few experiences which I've had. And so if, that, if that's a logic, which at least makes sense to me, I would say like maybe now is not the time for your friend, despite the fact that he wants it, like it's going to show itself when it shows itself. And so maybe this is, and this is what showed itself right now. Yeah. And,
1: you know, like I said, I don't think he's ever going to listen to this. Maybe he will now that we talked about him so much, but, you know, for someone in my position where it's like, is a, is a friendship like this holding me back, you know? And, and like, as we proceed forward into this, uh, very strange time where things are rapidly changing, it seems, are these you know, blue-pilled friends going to hold us back? I mean, that's that's something I've been wondering because, you know, hence the title of my show, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. It could equally be called My Friends Think I'm Crazy in a lot of cases because the people I grew up with don't really understand a lot of the things that I like to read,
0: talk, and think about, you know? Right. I mean, I suppose only time will tell, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's a, and that's a choice. I think that's a choice you know, again, like, like being conscious is like, I'm, I'm aware of this situation and you know, you might not necessarily, it might not be as easy as saying like, uh, I choose to go this way and that way. Maybe sometimes you do, I'm choosing right now to cut someone out of my life, but, um, you know, maybe there's certain people who you're not quite ready to make that call upon, but being aware of that, at least it brings like a deeper level, um, a deeper level uh, into your, you know, your unfolding, uh, and then I'll introduce two different ideas, or like, you know, I'll contrast two different ideas. Like you said, um, one, which is, which is, uh, are people who see things in a very, very different way, or have a very, very different reality or inner world than what you have. Like, you know, are they tethering you to something which, which, which you are growing away from you know that's 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 a a concept that's a reality that's a path that's an approach and then you also go like i can't think of what it's called but i've always you know this idea always sticks in my mind as at least just a contrast point i think it's buddhism like but like within one of the, the 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 ideas within buddhism is you know Uh, not leaving earthly your earthly brothers and sisters until every last person has enlightenment. And so that like kind of introduces this idea of like, yeah, well, I'm here to stick around for that person, but I also have the wherewithal that um, that their world doesn't affect mine. Um, And so again, I don't think there's, there's a right or wrong approach. I think what, uh, or or a choice. But what I would say is is probably more, you know, right would be at least being aware of what you chose to do. Yeah, yeah, and this is completely.
1: It's funny what you you said to bring that up. I forget exactly how you uh, described that, but the Taoist david way said the exact same thing to me when i asked him you know if his family thinks he's crazy he's like i don't really care <laughs> he's like i do my own thing and and you know as i've done this for 30 years you know becoming a Taoist monk he's like they've they've been inspired to be as healthy as me but you know i never pushed them to do that you know they just saw how it worked for me and followed on their own and I think that's a great point to make that we need to focus on our own connection.
0: And you also have to realize, like, I mean, just the natural sort of, um, progression of being human and, you know, having like relationships and dynamics and, uh, it is uh, th- th- this is probably true for most people. Is is as they begin to grow and change from whatever whomever they were. Like let's say when they were younger, as they mature, um, it gets easy to do that as you're developing that 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 uh, new compass point. I mean that's what it is. You're like changing where your compass is is pointing towards as we grow and, and mature. And it's easier to do that when you are in an environment which supports where you're going. And so it's like, okay, I'm building this muscle and like, you know, I'm around like-minded people or I'm in like a really stress-free environment. And so it's easy to like step into that role. And then when we go back to, you know, these foundational dynamics you know whether that be with between family members or like childhood or all of these different you know triggers like then like you know the the, you, you, the the rubber meets the road you're like fuck you know i was doing so good when i'm like in my in my in my special space but like when i go and i talk to my my, my family like you know i find myself going back to like who i once was um there ain't nothing wrong with that, that like when you recognize that you recognize that and just the friend he was just describing, has been on his Taoist path for 30 years. And he's like, you know, I'm just me being me. And like, I don't care about the other people. Probably when he was like at year one, you know, it wasn't as easy to say that as it was in year 30. Like these are these are kind of muscles that we are developing. And so when we recognize that, you know, you, you can be a little bit easier on yourself. That's why like, you know, you observe. You're like, okay, I can see that. I can recognize things. But you don't necessarily beat yourself up because, you know, you're doing the best you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder now, you know, as it pertains to rewilding our consciousness, because I'm noticing as I change my life and move into this sphere where I'm kind of creating my own schedule, creating what I do to get paid. And um, that's exciting. It's fun. And, it's an in, infective, you know, or, you know, infectious people feel the joy there. But, you know, when we rewild our consciousness, is that solo? Is that something you can do with uh, a partner or with a family member? Like what's the, take me through the steps there. Cause this is, I mean, I'm sure it's not new to me,
0: but I have all a right, feeling all like right, there's all going right, to be some right. new I've, things. I'm ex, excited that you're, you're using the phrase rewilding consciousness because we, uh, you know we uh, I've mentioned that before, um, but I don't want to go there quite yet because I'm still I want to hear how the remainder of like uh, you you and your lady uh, sleeping under the moon, like anything else, like outside of like the experience with your friend, like did anything else like happen during that, that time? Did you notice anything? Did anything? No one. What events?
1: I'm trying to trying to go through the role at the, the roll of memories right now to, to really think about it. No, I mean, other than feeling blinded when we were sleeping inside and then coming out Side in the morning and just being hit with this light. So it was very it was necessary for my health to to go outside. My eyes were were so dilated. I didn't understand I didn't understand if it was the amount of screen time I had or or if it was just sleeping indoors as opposed to outdoors. But yeah, there's something about sleeping outside in a tent that puts you in touch with the rhythm of the earth. I mean it's really like like last week when we did our first episode I woke up like 15 minutes before we had done that because I had slept inside that day and for a month or so I'd been waking up with the sun you know because when you're sleeping outside the sun comes out and heats you up real fast and you wake up you know so no it's just it's it's really you know my whole life I've spent you know sleeping inside and to have this opportunity to sleep in my uh my grandmother's backyard, you know, as as crazy as that sounds, it's been really, uh, really great in a lot of ways to get in touch with the cycles of the earth and and what's going on. And now we're working on, you know, getting into that energy in order to manifest that next place to live, you know, because we want to be sleeping in the tent past October, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely so. And and you, you know, you're just indicating like how quickly, <clears throat> how quickly it is that um, we we realign or we rewild ourselves outside of you know false reality. And false reality is just part of life, but there's nothing wrong with false reality. If you're human, you're going to live in false realities, but like becoming aware of that. So like, you know, living in a cube box room, you know, that's a false reality. I live in a cube box room. Uh, that's where I sleep the most times. But you're saying like how quickly you're noticing like these kinds of changes and like both like in kind of like a, a consciousness, psychological way, but then also in like a very practical way it's Like go, oh, I'm waking up because the sun's up and like, you know, that's, you know, that's just, it's, it's that simple. Um and so it's uh that that's an interesting that's an interesting point but I want can I bring up my experience with the full moon this this past couple of days
1: Please I'm sure it's far more interesting than mine
0: <laughs> All right all right all right so um uh where to begin with this So I by no means am I a like an expert of the sky like an astronomer who can like point out all of the all of the different constellations and and all of that sort of stuff like I mean I've got like a general knowledge like most people do like I can point out the Big Dipper and I know like Orion's belt but for the most part like you know that that isn't something which I would say like I'm particularly adept that's not like a like a deep part of my knowledge Um, and and I just mean that like generally, like over my, my adult life and, you know, over the past, probably like four or five years, I've, I've earned my keep more through astrological services than, than anything else. You know, I've kind of like become, become an astrologer, a professional astrologer. I just say that because, you know, I get paid for that. Mm. Um, and so Understanding the heavens became like part of my my reality on a much much deeper level over these past couple of years because um, you know before I've always like kind of like studied my own chart and stuff like that but but it changes when you start doing it uh, you know spending more time on other people's charts than your own so the point I'm trying to make is over the last five years um, over the last five years I've really gotten into the heavens and uh one of the things i notice is like you know some people who are like into astrology they they take it just purely as an abstract like oh my you know my my natal moon is in in pisces and that means this and blah 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 and they 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 stick with ideas per se and just my nature is i'm very very uh um Uh, in certain ways I can be very, very concrete. You know, I like, I like physical things, material things. I like, you know, that realm, like I like to measure things. And so um, as I've learned more and more of astrology and and have have really ingrained my, my consciousness deeper and deeper with that, it was all in like this abstract level, like, you know, this means this and, you know, and and looking at charts, which, which, you know, you can print out, but I at the same time as this is happening, because I do have this this kind of concrete sort of way about me. Um, I want to understand what it means. Like, you know, what, what what is this this natal chart a symbol of? Like, what are these planets? Like, where are they in the sky? Like, can I see them? All this sort of stuff. This is the reason why I built the starboard is because I wanted, I wanted like the, the, the idea at first, just like the idea of, of astrology to become like more tangible. Like I didn't quite get a lot of these concepts. And so through the use of the starboard, it's become like, okay, well, what are the like uh, mechanisms or what, are the, what is actually happening in the sky, at least in terms of what we can see? So all that being said, like really, over the past couple of years, I've become more and more interested in being able to like look in the sky, understand like how how um, how the 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 abstract idea of like what it says the 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 chart of the sky is at any given time, and translating that not so much in terms of meaning, but translating that also into like what what can I see? How does that line up? Is it one the same? And, I'm, and I call that uh, objective astrology so all of that was just the preface of where I'm going for this weekend so, <laughs> so so what has been really really friggin' cool and and really the past year had what I just described to you like turning like astrology like more or going more and more away from it as an abstract and, and more as a concrete understanding of, of this environment which we experience life in um, uh this past year has been, it's just been getting like stronger and stronger, more concrete. You know, I'm developing that muscle within myself. I talked to you a little bit about like, you know, developing muscles with, with the family. Like, you know, this is me developing muscles with, with, with understanding what the sky is. And so, um, what has been, uh, really what, what, what is the, the, the point of focus of probably like nine months right now is seeing jupiter and saturn in the sky like do do you look and can you identify like uh where's jupiter and saturn are
1: no i mean synchronistically i was just talking about that last night i was live on fringe fm with joe roop and we were talking about saturn and and jupiter and some of the things going on there but i remember last time we were in lancaster with you or well Millersville. We, um, we were looking for, I think it was Saturn, right? We, we looked with the, uh, high powered camera there.
0: Okay. Were we able to see it?
1: I think so. I, I don't know if we were a hundred percent sure that we were looking at Saturn, but that was the intention. And then yeah, we we, the, we, de- uh, we
0: definitely were. We phones. definitely were. So, so prior to, um, I don't know, like nine months ago, maybe a year ago, um, I held in my mind, like, you know, the, 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 the story I told myself in my mind was, um, like, you need to have a telescope to see Jupiter, and you need to have a telescope to see Saturn, and maybe you could see Mars, and I imagine, like, Mars would be so faint. Mars would be so faint that, you know, it would be like one of those like really distant stars or something like that. Like that's how I picture it in my mind. Like, uh, because a lot of this, that's what I mean, like abstracts, so we have an idea like, oh, this is where Mars is. And you picture like, oh, well, can I see it? Can I actually see it or what have you? And I had the assumption, I was holding the assumption that these things were like really far away. But that's not true at friggin all. Uh, you, can, <laughs> you know, like what, you know where they are. It's like they, they are of the same magnitude of like just any other star once you begin to recognize it like that's when that's when this at least for me the um at least for me at least for me the uh movement from from looking at a chart and that being just an abstract idea you know me being like oh there's a symbol of saturn saturn is in in aries and you know i have a a, a concept in my mind of what that means you know that's an abstract versus going outside you're like, oh, okay, right there, that's Saturn. You know, that, that there's a difference. Something changes in your perception, in your consciousness. You're seeing it in a different way. It's no longer just like a – it's no longer just a, um, an idea. It's like now it's, I can identify it. There's still a question, like, what the hell is Saturn? Like, you know, I'm, I can't answer that question, but at least I can identify it, not on a piece of paper, but with my own eyes. So for this past year, really beginning, actually, it began in December of last year, moving towards the December of last year. So it was last fall, like as I knew that there was going to be this great conjunction, which is uh, when Saturn and Jupiter are in the exact same place place in space like i started following it like like uh someone needed to use one of the Starfinder apps on their phone and i was able to know for certain like i used to look at things and I'd be like intuitively i think that's something but i wanted something more concrete so i was able to concretely be able to identify these things and then server so couple of months like of last fall you could begin to see Saturn and and Jupiter they were getting closer and closer and closer in the night sky until they were eventually what would be called conjunct they're in the same place and that's known as the great conjunction and then that happened uh right around the winter solstice of last year and then ever since then they've been moving further apart from one another and that's what I've been kind of observing and they don't move like fast but um, like over a period of time, you could see the gap between the two gets like wider and wider. So all that said, and then what's also cool is you begin to see like uh, like Jupiter and Saturn, when you're looking at them, they appear like from our perspective to be like, I don't know, like let's say right now, like an inch and a half apart from one another. You can see Jupiter, which is brighter than Saturn, and then like an inch and a half apart. Uh, an inch and a half to the right is Saturn and you could see them in that relationship an inch and a half apart. Like uh, you look at the sky, like let's say at like nine o'clock and uh, you can see where they are and you come back and you look like maybe at midnight or something, you can see that shifted. You can see how the night sky moves across um, on a given evening. Uh, And that's been really cool. And I've been watching that and just like, you know, just allowing myself to, to become aware. So all that being said, this is the longest friggin' preference in the world, preference in the world, but I kind of <laughs> like it. I hope you're enjoying the story. So I've been doing that for about a year and it just like, you know, it just tickles me like Saturn and Jupiter are, uh, sometimes you could see Venus, sometimes you could see Mars, but right now it's like Saturn and Jupiter are always visible in, um, the night sky. Uh, and they're easy to identify. Um, and so I do, and you know this, like, you know, once a week, uh, Jenny and I will do the, the movement on the starboard and we just move, uh, the, we have stones which mark the position of the planets. And, uh, each week we update where those changes have been. Like, you know, you can find that in, uh, now, like in a variety of just like websites will tell you that. And then we write in a book and then we go and we move the chart. We move the, the stones that represent the planet on the starboard mm-hmm. and what always dictates when we do that movement is when the moon hits a different point in its in its cycle new moon first quarter full moon third quarter and then new moon again and so, which is basically about a week, you know, a week goes. So it's like you, you get, you, you begin by doing this. Like what I've noticed is I begin to, to get a sense of the speed and the rhythm of the planets and where they are. So, so the starboard has been done like primarily like driven by the moon. And then I've been watching the, uh, I've been watching Saturn, um, and Jupiter. And then, um, just in the past two weeks, the, um, the moon has been, um, in the same part of the heavens is like, I can see where, where, where Saturn and, and Jupiter are, you know, it does that every, you know, once a month, you know, mm. that's if the moon goes around. So now I'm watching, like I'm watching the, not just like I can go in the starboard and see like, this is where Jupiter and Saturn are. And then this is where, um, uh, and look at the sky, and be like, okay, it's in the same proportion on the starboard as I'm seeing in the heavens, and that's so freaking cool, and now the moon's in play, and now I'm like, oh, look, they, you know, on the starboard, I, it says that the moon is going to be, like, right by Jupiter, and I look up in the sky that night, and I'm like, yeah, the moon really is right by Jupiter, and it's like there's this connection which is happening inside of me, like, on a certain level, you're like, well, what's the big deal? It's always been there, but it's like I've been bringing awareness to it, so all of that, that's the end of the preface, okay, so this is what, this is what I want to to tell you i told you all of that to really illustrate this point of how like i've been like watching the stars uh watching the planets and like doing like the this the starboard sort of thing and i'm becoming just more and more aware and connected of these movements and i kind of know where the positions are like i know where in the sky everything's like you know Uh, When you came down in, um, when we looked through the, through the high powered uh, camera, like there was still that, that question I had, like, I think that's Saturn, I think that's Jupiter, but uh, I don't have those questions anymore because I've established that muscle. They're comfortable now with what I'm looking at, or at least of these two things. So all of that being said, like I know exactly where, and really over the past two weeks, where the moon has been relative to Saturn and, um, and Jupiter, And so now let me go and and paint this picture for you. So you can imagine there's this, like, line segment, if you will, um, of Jupiter and Saturn. And all the planets go on more or less the same – you can imagine it like a racetrack. They're on the same racetrack that goes around um, the sky. So you see all the planets go around the same line, and that's called the ecliptic. And the moon goes around the ecliptic too. The moon from where I am on earth relative to all this sort of stuff. Like the moon is slightly below, slightly below where um, Jupiter and Saturn would be that line. And when I say slightly below, like from my perception, it looks like it's like maybe like a half inch below. Like if they were, if you were to trace these two lines um, of like what Saturn and, and Jupiter do when they move across the sky and what, and, and the, the tracing the line which the moon does so i've been watching this for two weeks all right i've been watching this for two weeks i know where it is i think i got all this stuff all figured out i'm like wow i'm really i'm really getting it on a different level so all that being said i walk out last night i walk out last night and i look at the moon and remind i just told you i've been i've been like paying attention to positions and like you know all this sort of stuff and the moon, which is normally like, as I described, like half an inch um, below the line, which Saturn and Jupiter, which is basically the same line. It's the same ecliptic. It's now about five inches above it. Like now I have to crane my neck, like totally looking up at the sky and I'm like, what is causing that to happen? Is that normal? Is that, does it change that much in a given day, in a 24 hour cycle? How mm-hmm. come I haven't seen that before? So, that there is my, my, my full moon uh, story. Like, you know, I've got all sorts of like, ideas of what might be causing it, but I'm suddenly realizing um, the understanding, the movement of, of the heavens in a way which I didn't before. I've been studying the moon and the stars and the heavens for like years and years and years. And I've never, I've never had any awareness or consciousness on, you know, (laughs) what I'm just describing right now. So I thought that was kind of cool. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're bringing to mind a lot of things that I've been thinking about. I, now that you pointed out, I mean, you know, I've been looking at the moon from the same position for the past two weeks and I've seen, you know, exactly what you just described. Last night, the moon was at least three, four inches, it seems, from my perspective. I just stuck my hand out, you know, two, three inches higher in the sky. And the clouds were moving a lot faster. That's (laughs) what we noticed last night. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we took some pictures, too, that, you know, with this new camera came out kind of interesting, you know, they have so, night mode. So, then
0: you, so you noticed the same thing, which I, which, which I was just Only describing. after you pointed
1: it out, right, I'm right. starting to see like, hmm, because I do remember it rising and coming across the sky and the trees were sort of obstructing it. And then last night I was out there two in the morning right before I went to bed you know, stayed up late to be on Fringe FM and the, so, the moon was not obscured by the tree like it was the night
0: before. So that's where I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, maybe. Right. So so what you're saying is you you need to have points of reference. That's one of the things which is so important when looking at the sky. Like I've been... Uh, uh, really kind of like, and I, I'll show you these slides I've been making, like it's for this presentation I'm working on, but like really trying to like deconstruct the, the, I, I used the, this word earlier in our conversation, like the mechanism, like what's actually like moving and happening because most of us like, yeah, we might look up at the sky, but we don't study it the way maybe it once was maybe astronomers. And I'd love to talk to someone who's really, really familiar, but but here's the thing of where I want to go with this. Like once you understand these points of reference, like you something solid, like my Jupiter and Saturn was my point of reference. Your tree was your point of reference. Um, it could just be like the angle of your neck, if you remember that. But um, so like the, the whole sort of flatter sort of movement, right? I think that you and I, maybe we may share a similar perspective, which is... Um, uh, that may be an accurate description of Earth, um, and it probably shouldn't come as surprise because we've been lied to our entire lives. So this should be, you know, of course, like you know, everything is at least potentially like a complete lie in terms of how we're supposed to picture what our experience is. So that's kind of like what what I think about flat Earth, but because it's such a um, it's such a like heated place of like divisiveness like that to me is my indication like i don't want to put too much my my energy into that because i think there's something else afoot going on but i'm not i'm not surprised at all like if that in fact is an actual description of of what our you know our experience is so all that being said like i question i tend to go by the um the the, the model or the mechanism of what we've been told of what, like, what space is or what the solar system is like, you know, how like the moon goes around the, the earth and like the earth goes around the sun and all that sort of stuff. Like I use that as my point of reference, but I'm also like, this could all be completely like, bullshit like that is an inaccurate description like we can uh that 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 is not a that is not what is happening And i don't know for certain but i use like you know the the lowest common denominator just because it's a point of reference so all of that being said all of that being said and then like even going to the to the furthest point which is like you know like how accurate is something like the Truman Show? Is it not metaphorical? Like, is it literal? Like, like, is it literally like, you know, that is how false it is? Like, when we look up at the sky, like, I don't know. That's above my pay grade, but I'm certainly open to those ideas. So when I saw that moon, and I'm like, from the way I understand from what I've been taught of, like what the moon does, like, yeah, maybe the moon changes a little bit. But how could the moon have changed so much on its supposed trajectory going around the Earth? Like, how did it go from like being beneath of being half an inch beneath the line of Jupiter and Saturn, to now being like four inches above it? Yeah. And like, I don't have an answer to it, but I certainly, I'm like, you know, this, this is not real. Or like the story, which we're being told of what the reality is, you know, this kind of goes into not exactly like the, like the whole crow seven, seven stuff, but like, I remember when I first saw that, I forget what it's called, like the, the wave that goes across the moon. And when you first see that and you're like, what is actually, what are we actually looking at? What What can I trust? And so I had, um. I'm not going to a conclusion with this. I don't have a conclusion, but what I uh, the or the closest thing to a conclusion I can have is like, in a way, my 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 world, my my perception or model of my reality of what I think we're we're experiencing, living life on Earth with the heavens above us, like you know, a huge like monkey wrench was thrown into that last night. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's <laughs>
1: funny, I. As you're describing this, and you mentioned the racetrack, you know, in the sky, it brought to mind this image that I saw in a book called *Athanasius Kircher, A Renaissance Man and the Quest for Lost Knowledge. And this is someone who I've, I think, confusedly brought up to you when you were telling me about Johann Kelp or someone like that. Uh, But this guy was a Jesuit sort of priest, astronomer, that type of uh, alchemist in the 17th century, I think. And he makes the remark that (laughs) the moon's irregularity makes it impossible to achieve the accuracy of solar measurements. And that's on the page that I flipped to when you brought that image to mind of this sort of dragon that all of the bodies of the planets rest on the body of this dragon and that you can see or snake, you can see this dragon snake sort of tailing through the zodiac in a racetrack kind of way across the sky in this, you know, a, image from the 14th century. And then there's another. Well, these are wood cuttings, but either way, so yeah, you're bringing to mind this image. And then I flip to the page, and this guy Kircher, who spent a lot of time looking at the stars, has the same idea of the moon like this thing's too irregular to even accurately predict the same way we can with the sun
0: the and 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 uh the, and then just like re re reinf- maybe like uh, what i just described like you know that's always been the case but here i am even this guy who like you know he ta- he he plays with the the moon and the sun and the stars and the heavens and in, in like a, a thoughtful conscious way but but still I'm, if this is like, based upon what that guy just said with the, the, what the passage, which you just, you just read about like, you know, the, um, you know, the moon is so confusing. Like maybe what I just described has been, you know, that's just the way it's always been. And people have always noticed that, but we are so disconnected. You know, uh, we may understand, you know, you and I have talked about the moon before and we've talked about the moon and calendars and stuff like that. And I would say that in the, the, the continuum or the, the, the bell curve of the population for like how much people think or aware of the moon, like, you know, we're probably in the top 10% just by doing that, just by having these sort of conversations. Like most people don't pay any attention to it at all. Um, and so, um, this, this, this idea of, um, even the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed, the one-eyed man is king. You know, it's like, we're becoming more and more aware of, of our environment. And, and as we become aware of what we're seeing, you know, as we're moving away from a false reality. So the false reality would be, uh, Just how this concept, these concepts we've been holding in our our head of of, um, the moon. And I'm not saying, like, it being false, being accurate or not accurate. What I mean, false reality, meaning uh, we're just holding concepts. Like, you know, I'm looking at someone's astrological chart, and I'm looking at it as just like a printout on a piece of paper as opposed to, like, understanding it as an actual um, uh, thing up in the sky. As... um, As for me and maybe for you and and other people, and I think maybe this is going on uh, a lot right now, as we move outside of these false realities, just thinking about stuff we're around all the time on the conceptual level, and then we're beginning to understand it differently by actually interacting with it on – uh um like in this example like you know looking at it with my eyes as opposed about like reading its positioning in like a, a website um we become more aligned in consciousness to what things are as uh, as they actually are baseline reality versus this kind of like false reality and I think it happens quickly, like almost in the same way as you described, like sleeping out on the earth versus sleeping in like, you know, a box room. And so the reason why I'm kind of like spilling this uh, spilling this in such detail or spelling it out in such detail is because you brought up that phrase, rewilding consciousness. And this is what I'm talking about. What I, This is what rewilding consciousness means. And rewilding consciousness is recognizing, like, whoa, the way I understood, like, my surroundings, you know, in this example, like, the moon, uh, the moon and its position in the sky and its, its phases, um, I am deconstructing what I thought I knew it was, you know, from what I, whether not paying attention to it at all or, like, maybe just paying attention to it as a concept and then, like, becoming familiar with it, as it actually is and then just allowing that to grow and that is the rewilding process in this particular instance and like to 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 do that purposefully to say like you know what i recognize that i've been i've been born into a false reality all realities are false realities you know all cultures that humans create are like are are like a couple degrees A lot or a little of degrees off of like the actual baseline reality um, to purposefully, and particularly now as the false reality, one is collapsing for the bringing in of another one, um, bringing consciousness, applying it outside of the false reality and allowing it to take root and grow where it's going to grow. That is the rewilding of consciousness, which, which I was making reference to.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's uh, I think it's something that people are all aware of on an intuitive level. You know, we need to get back to our connection with Mother Earth, you know, and to put it in those terms of rewilding, I think is it's brilliant. I think a lot of people are, are, you know, they're just unconsciously seeking that, you know, and you hear everything about off the grid and self-sustainable community. And, you know, I was kind of urged right now as you were describing that to open this book that I had purchased recently, Investigating the Connecticut Mystery. And it talks about on the first page, the rediscovery of the new world. And the very core of this vision is the recognition that each person is responsible for his or her own destiny, you know, yada, yada, yada. My point being, you know, you've studied this a lot, the whole colonial experiment and everything that went into that, but in a kind of new way, like we all have that opportunity to create our own reality here now with this land that's been, you know, all land, it's just it's just all land, you know? I mean, we, we have so much, uh, I forget the word that we used previously when talking about this, but matrix consciousness telling us what is and what isn't, all these labels for what is and what isn't, and at the end of the day, <clears throat> the energy of rewilding is what we're all really looking for. I mean, that's that's kind of, I don't know, not saying much other than I agree
0: with you, Mike, <laughs> but well, yeah. Well, well, I I would say that's always been a truth. Like, you know, all all times, all cultures um, are to a, to a certain degree a false reality. You know, uh, there's no such thing. There's no authentic one spoken language. You know, so any spoken language, that's a false reality. You know, me using the sounds that, Sound like apple to describe that thing that grows off certain trees that you can eat and you don't want to eat the seeds, you know, you know, that, that there's a degree of false reality there. I'm not saying like it doesn't hold purpose. Like, because when I say apple, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, um, but there is in every time in culture, there is a, there is the opportunity for an individual to say like, Oh, wait a minute, all of this stuff, which I assume to be like true actually isn't true it's just a subjective truth and then when you begin to like step away from that deconstruct that however that you know the infinite ways one can do that you know a whole new world opens up to them. like you know you could even say that's part of like you know the the mystics experience or you could even say that's the hero's journey as you go through that within your own ego or what you. like that's always been the case but What is happening right now on earth, I'm going to go, you know, I go out on a limb and I'll say from everything I know from my own lifetime experiences and everything which I know from like people who've been alive during my lifetime. So that'd be like parents and grandparents. Uh, and everything would, and the reason I say that as opposed to history, because you know, history should always be questioned as well, but there hasn't been anything like this, like what's going on right now. Like, and so what we're describing this kind of like, uh, Uh, you know, the, the, the breaking down of like a false reality and, and, and rewilding consciousness, like, which means like going out of a false reality, going to something more authentically true to then go and have a new reality. Like that has always been a nice thing, but now it is a, um, uh, it's a a recipe or a technique, which is going to be a requirement. I think for navigating what is going to be unfolding before us. I want to kind of like switch gears a little bit right now um, because uh, I think this is this is this is at least where my mind goes because we're talking a lot about we're talking a lot about the moon, right? And we're we're recognizing we're recognizing that um, everything that we think we know is at least questionable. Like I'm not necessarily going to go and say everything that we know is wrong, but I'm saying that everything that we that we know should at least be questioned. So you and I have been talking a lot about the moon, right? Right. Um, and so, what do you know about like like the moon as a satellite of Saturn? Wow.
1: Well, so my my thought on the because I think you're getting at the origin of the moon. What I've heard... Well, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. I'm getting at the different ideas of what the moon is. Okay. I got no idea what the origin of the moon is. Oh, okay. I'm talking about ideas. Right. So what do you know about that as an idea?
1: Not much. All I've heard is that the moon was like a, a byproduct of a collision with an old planet that created the you know, asteroid belt and mars and the moon and then we have because there's ancient stories that the moon wasn't in the sky a long long time ago so take that for what you
0: will but maybe that's not where you're going with it well well, what i'm trying to go at is so so exactly like so i know that there are a variety of, of cultures or no this is what i know i know that i have read that there have been a variety of cultures who who say, who tell tales of time before the moon, right like you know that 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 has been put out there as an idea I know that um, I know that uh, there are other cultures that don't have that, those stories um, I know that I've been told that if there was no moon, there'd be no tide, and if there no tides there'd be no life on earth or at least the type of life that exists right now. Um, I know that the earth uh, I've been told that the, the moon was formed by something hitting the Earth, like an asteroid hitting the Earth, and a big chunk of Earth like uh, shot off and um, and eventually became the moon. I've been told that uh, the moon is um, incredibly different than every other moon in the solar system in terms of its size relative to the planet and and you know other different things. You know we get all these anomalies of the moon. We always see the same side. Um, All of the weird things which we described before, like it changes in, um, in the, uh, uh, its position in the sky. I also know that, um, I know that uh, I, I want to say the first time I ever heard it was probably from like David Icke, from that type of line where it talks about how the moon is actually a artificial satellite, which is connected to the planet Saturn, and and Saturn and moon they both are on a fractal cycle of one another the Saturn has a 29 year cycle or orbit it's going to be in the same place in the heavens every 29 years and then the moon more or less has a 29 day cycle which goes from new moon to new moon so like there is a connection there I'll say that you know the idea that the moon is this false satellite which has been used to like uh, control the thoughts of and imprison humanity uh, based upon like archonic uh, forces mm. that are using satellites, rings or Saturn's rings as a satellite. I know that that's a story. Right. Um, I also know that the moon has served as a source of inspiration and of of wonder and awe for almost every every uh, culture and almost every single person I've met. Also know that you know there's all of these like lunatic and like werewolf mythologies of like the dangers of the moon. So the point I'm trying to make right now is um, there's a whole bunch of stuff which is out there just about the moon in general, like a whole bunch of stories. And to be quite honest, to be quite honest, um, you're not going to be able to um, you're not going to be able to really prove any one of those, or at least I can't.
1: I think that's a very fair point. I think, yeah, it's, it's for the most part, I don't want to s- say subjective, but it's very intimate. I would say, you know, it's kind of.
0: Well, I'll say this. There's a lot of blind spots. Okay. We can't see everything. It's like, you know, I'm like, okay, well this comes from a trusted source or this comes from a and, trusted source. We're a trusted source. And, we're told, and I'm not saying that there's a problem with that. I'm just like, I'm recognizing it as it is. Right. Well, we're told you know, that we only it,
1: see one side of it. What are your thoughts on
0: that? Yeah, I mean, that that would be one of the anomalies. I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you, Mark. Could you maybe be a little bit closer to the microphone?
1: Yeah, sorry. I said, uh, did you hear everything I said just then?
0: Yeah, about like how you only see one side. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 they're, they're the, the moon is, is undoubtedly anomalous. And so the reason I'm bringing all this up is because you and I both, you and I both have, um, have uh, uh, maybe like – I don't want to say – I'm not going to use the word worship, but we have put in a high degree of consciousness and awareness and intention between ourselves and the relationship – a relationship between ourselves and the moon, You know, just the very fact that we're aware of it, all this sort of stuff. And at the end of the day, like, you could probably, like, you could make a, a you could make a, um, an argument, I can make an argument, you can make an argument that, like, hey, man, maybe the moon isn't something you want to go and put your, um, put your, um, that much consciousness to. Like, maybe, may, maybe it is, like, this, this uh, brainwashing thing being used uh, from, um, from, from Saturn you know, we've been talking a lot about Saturn. These are blind spots. We don't know for certain. And so the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm bringing this up, one is because it's like, you know, if you want to be intellectually honest with yourself, you got to, you know, sometimes like bring things, you got to play your own devil's advocate. But um, I mentioned, I mentioned about like, now is the time, now is the time to, with great purpose, like, deconstruct um, our understanding of a lot of things we've always taken for granted and going back to the most natural, um, the most natural baseline reality. And I'm saying like, I think this is the way I see that least, to the way I'm approaching. Like this is a, um, you know, these air quotes when I say strategy, but for a strategy for moving through this particularly um, uh, unusual time as a human on Earth, but then um, you know, do we want to jump? Fr- do we jump from the uh, from the fire into the or from the frying pan into the fire? Like you know, like okay, well, the moon is the one that's causing all of this, all all of these these you know control problems to begin with. Like you're just going straight to the source of it. So so I think that 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 is a like an interesting and valid sort of idea that at least needs to be thought of and i want to tell you tell you like the way i think about that or at least how i approach that um you know we brought this up before and it is you come back to the the a fundamental philosophical question there's not an answer there's not a correct answer to this question there is a um there is a personal as you say a personal answer to that this question and is is the universe inherently a friendly or a dangerous place? <laughs> yeah. And I choose that it's friendly because I can't tell you any, I can't, I, I, I understand, I can intellectually understand the differences between uh, the different stories of what the moon is and is not. But because I don't, I can't, you know, I'm going to have to vote. I'm going to have to choose which one I'm going to go with either. Like, oh no, the moon is dangerous. The moon is dangerous, and um, that is not something I want to align myself more deeply with because, you know, it's a Saturnian uh, mind control satellite. Um, that could be one choice. Or the moon is something which is outside of the matrix and it's something which I will align to. Uh, that's an individual question, and it's ultimately going to come down to, like, what you choose in terms of how what do you trust and how do you see um, uh, the bigger picture of, of the higher level um, orchestrating mechanisms behind this experience.
1: Well, I, I will say, you know, the, the feminine aspect to it all makes me think that there might be something inherent to us as humans that connects us to the moon for better or worse. I think that might be the feminine perspective to judge. Maybe not in this lifetime for me, but I think, uh, Without that one aspect, yeah, I mean, you bring into mind the alpha predator, alpha nurturer, and the third that I kind of thought of, and Tara helped me kind of, we both jumped this idea back and forth, alpha protector. I feel like that might be another aspect to explore, but I think that dynamic is true in our Symbiotic environment. You see, you know, th- things have this relationship between life and death that don't always match what we would consider, you know, moral or, you know, what cultures consider the right thing to do. It's that matrix subjective level that maybe that's not, you know, what is wild, what is natural, you know, bring it back to rewilding or at least my interpretation of it, but, you know, what are we to trust when it comes to stories about the moon being a satellite or being, you know, part of Saturn? I mean, yeah, that's, that's deep. I just, I kind of go back to like cultural experience and maybe that's flawed. I don't know.
0: Uh, Well, I, I agree with you completely. Like, you know, I don't think there's like, I don't think there is a correct answer to this question. I think what, what, is valuable is asking the question and uh, understanding understanding why it is that we choose one or the other if you're choosing to choose at all which which if you're going to be aware you're going to have to have some degree of choice um, and that to me is at least you know why you're you're choosing something or you know why you made your decision um, And I think that it is, in my opinion, like it is both like understanding like the the cultural implications and then also like your personal experience. Like, you know, if you start, like, aligning yourself to the moon, and then suddenly, like, demons start, like, showing up in your, in your basement, and then you can see a correlation with well, man you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to do the moon, maybe, maybe all of that, like, that Saturnian, satanic sort of thing, maybe that is accurate, mm. but... um to me, like that, is it a dangerous place or is it a fr- friendly place or a dangerous place? of uh, The universe, like that, just like what you said, that, that goes down to, um, if we're going to duality, it is this like, you know, apex predator versus apex, um, apex nurturer in terms of like, you know, what is, what is, what is, what at least, I don't want to say like what's running the show, what is the consciousness what is the perception of how you are going to go through reality that you choose to subscribe to? And I would even say that when you said the apex protector, which I friggin love, that would be the 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 almost like the blending between the two. It's almost the blending between the two. Um, and I would say we predominantly, we predominantly in our modern culture are worshipers or followers of an apex predator mindset survival of the fittest scarcity you're fighting for all resources everything is a battle they're always you know where are you in the pecking order all of that you know that is one way of seeing things and you can make a very very valid argument that like you know there's a truth to that like you know you do see lions eat gazelles like that is true but then there's also like the 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 apex nurture, which is the opposite, which is like, you know, uh, this is a world of abundance. This is a world where, where, um, where, um, you know, everything is provided and 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 you don't have to worry. It's Edenic. You know, it's like as in Eden. And so, you know, you can be like, oh, you know, it's this or it's that. Um, for me, and I'll just tell you what, what what my opinion is, or at least what my opinion is as of now, uh, you Yes, that the death process is part of experience in life. You know, that's that's what the new moon, going from full moon to new moon, as the moon the moon dies. That's that's what it is. Like there is death, but then it, it rebirths again. And so, you're like, oh, you know, it's just like going back and forth. It's this yin and the yang. Um, but I'll say the very fact that we exist sh- is indicative of the fact that this is a primarily if you ha- if it's going to be fifty one. Forty-nine percent. This is a nurturing environment because if that was the case, then the environment would not exist. Right. There'd be nothing.
1: Right, and I love that that yin and yang duality is sort of the theme in this because this was a Pisces moon, and one thing that one thing that I uh, Pisces full moon. One thing that I noticed when I was looking at this another image in that same book is when you look at this sort of, you know, I'm sure you've seen this before, Mike. It's a full moon, new moon kind of chart, right? And they show you the circles, and all the circles are in a circle. And when you see the sort of black to white ratio and the way it curves, it looks like yin and yang. And I almost think, like, maybe that's what inspired whoever designed the yin and yang in the first place, is this moon, new moon to full moon balance but yeah, maybe that's a little off course
0: from, from what we were talking about. Uh, but. You know what? I I don't think I've ever thought about like I I know the chart you're talking about, and I, I work with that a lot because I think that the, the, the lunar cycle is a really really, um, like easy way to understand cycles of of how life seemingly happens. You know, on the Earth experience. And, you know, I know the yin and the yang, but I never even thought about them. Like, you know, they're saying the same thing, but you're 100% right. And I'll go one step further. The Like the, the white circle on the black side of the, you know, or the, the yin side, the dark side of um, the yin, yang, that's a full moon. And when you've got the dark circle in the, the light side, you know, that's the new moon. And then all of the different sizes that you see along that split, like, yeah, that shows you the different types, the, the movements throughout the uh, uh, going from one extreme to the other. Beautiful. It's a real interesting, I mean, uh, the, the best symbols, in my opinion, the most, the most potent symbols, and define potent however you want to, they have embedded in them, and objective truth like you know i could go and do any sort of squiggle and and you know do whatever i want and then through intention and purpose i can align my mind to go and say that this squiggle ha- has this meaning and when i see the squiggle it means this and i could eventually like you know even create a um A conditioned response to that symbol but if the symbol is just totally like you know random like yes you can go and make those connections and it becomes real that that symbol does equal that it's real because you have a conditioned response but if you have a a symbol which has embedded in its actual design and now when I say symbol I don't mean this from a conceptual level I mean like a like an actual like drawing a symbol a sigil uh when there is something authentically real within it well, then it becomes even more um you know more potent and that's exactly what uh the yin yang would be if uh you know that that is in case the the thing you know it being a a a, um, reverence to the lunar cycle if not even a teaching tool of the lunar cycle
1: absolutely yeah and i you know i ordered two t-shirts in the mail one of them had a yin yang on it and the other one was susquehanna alchemy <laughs> and they the,
0: oh man one of them That's arrived
1: amazing. near the new moon and the other one arrived on the full moon look at that but yeah it did was, you get
0: your susquehanna alchemy shirt
1: i got my susquehanna alchemy shirt um uh, on which 20. one did you get i got a green it was green with the like purple font uh, it's just the a, disco one
0: the disco one yes what do you think of it what Love do you think it. of the color love it those colors those two colors which you have i have it in the light blue one that's my favorite t-shirt but in that green one like those are wild that's a bold shirt my friend thank you very much for the support
1: no problem tara chose it and i got the medium so we both could wear it she's been wearing it but yeah and the other shirt was Does
0: it fit like a belly shirt on you
1: No, 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 it's just long enough, it's nice I didn't even think of that
0: I'm picturing picturing you like in this like too small a shirt (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I've been
1: there for sure Yeah, no, this other shirt that I got I I ordered it from uh, Spreadshirt, I think, for my show Because I'm trying to find like a nice design that I can do for for my podcast um, To get some merch out there and I got a horizontal yin-yang I put on the front of it because, you know, they let you kind of do the basic design little workshop and make your own T-shirt. So it's just interesting that that meaning. And now as you're saying that, I'm like, well, a horizontal yin-yang kind of implies that you're looking at these two spheres on a horizon, you know, rather than huh. the up down that you typically see a yin-yang. But I don't know if that's true. That might just be what we see here in the West when we see yin yangs. Maybe uh, you know, in the East, the traditional yin yang is supposed to be oriented on a horizontal plane. I think that's another subjective layer to it. But yeah, I I, I think there's there's so many angles. I wanted to bring up some stuff I learned from this show. Mysterious universe and see where that connected because wow, I've been diving into that show. I don't know if you've listened to them before, but
0: it no, I haven't. Let me let me uh let me go. I want to comment one last thing on the yin yang and then I want to hear what you got to say. Cool. So, um, you were talking about like whether it be horizontal and, and you know, this is or versus vertical and and implications, um, and and then this is where. This is where, like, you know, we begin to create false reality. But again, like, false reality is part of being human. Like, there's nothing wrong with false reality. So, like, when if you were to go and and say, like, wow, when it's on the horizon, this is what it represents or it represents to me, and it is based upon, like, a logic. Like, you understand why it represents that, uh, particularly with the symbol as potent as is, is, is the yin-yang um, then it, it like literally becomes a reality. Like this is how like this is how the how false realities are constructed. They're constructed because this is how all of our human realities are. Like you have something, it has meaning and then it creates this feedback loop within your inner world and then you go about the outer world looking for those sort of things and it goes in this loop. So when you create your stories, you know, and when you do it like when you do it purposefully and you understand what, what what you're doing, like you know this is this is the rebuilding of that new world. And this and what just using this yin yang as an example, like you know uh, because it's it, it's it's easy to envision. Um, once you grasp that concept, like you know you can apply that to, to everything in terms of how you see and interpret it. But you just don't want to fool yourself. You got to walk that middle line between like creating the reality um subscribing to a belief that you choose to have but then also recognizing like you know this is just a story i'm telling myself but i'm choosing to accept it right yeah so what so what was the well, we've got a couple more minutes left what was what was the um the thing you wanted to share that from that other podcast
1: well maybe we can kind of leave this for the next episode i could just bring it up and maybe you could think about it and we'll talk somewhat about it on the next
0: episode but... Alright, so I'm going to write down my notes. Uh, so tell me what it is so that I remember the next time we talk that I can bring it back up. What what was it that you want to bring up? What was the show?
1: So this is Mysterious Universe and they were talking about uh, a book that describes a journey that a actress and a filmmaker went on to make a movie about a book that I really it's changed my life profoundly. The uh, Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan Yaki way. You know, I read that when I was really young. So instantly I was interested in the podcast. So I think maybe if you listen to it, you'll understand a little bit better. All right. How about
0: this? This is, this will be my homework. This will be my homework. And here, let me just leave.
1: Yes. And let me leave you and everyone listening with this. It's the idea that synchronicities can be manipulated or in some way like moved by and that same you know, and I'm wondering maybe this is has to do with us creating our, you know, artificial reality, like you're saying, or if there's are some kind of maybe the moon or some kind of entities that manipulate synchronicity to lead people astray or, you know, on a different path then they would have gone on for worse or for better, possibly. I think that's what most oh. people assume about synchronicities is that they're for the better.
0: So so uh, I'm really excited. I'm excited to have that conversation. If you could go, what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to that podcast. I'm going to listen to that episode. You're going to send it to me. And maybe you could include a link to that like in the in the notes here so other people who are listening at home can listen to it again or listen to what we're talking about, and then when we meet next week. Beautiful. Let's discuss it. Beautiful. All right, Mike. Well, this has been. And, and there's one more thing. I, this is what I want to discuss next week. Also, is uh, my my instinct right now? And, and you know, we're we're going to see if I'm going to say the same thing after I've listened to this episode, which you're 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 suggesting. But um, I want to also talk about um, the uh, you know that guy who is. Are you familiar with this person who is making videos? supposedly from 2027 of Valencia, Spain, but there are no people in it. From 2027? No, I haven't heard about it, this. This is the wildest thing in the world. So I'm gonna send this to you and I want you to watch that because my sense is that these two these two different ideas and storylines are going to complement or, or, or they're going to be a good contrasting point. Wow. So I'll give you a video to look at that and then we'll include that link also in these in the show's notes. Beautiful.
1: All right. All right. Thank you for uh, listening to another episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse with Uncle Mike and Mystic Mark. Subscribe at Susquehanna Alchemy on YouTube and support the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast while you're at it.
0: Thank you for listening. Mike, you got anything to add? No, I think you did a great job.